Hey there, welcome back. This is Needed Conversations. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Victoria. This is Ryan. For those of you who are new to this podcast, we are in the communication series and we have had some great conversations. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about how to communicate more effectively with your spouse. And so we started off with prayer. Then we gave this really unique strategy called the table. And we're not going to go into much detail about that. We want you to go back and listen to that as soon as you get done with this episode. And then last week, we talked about the power of friendship and how your posture towards your spouse can change everything as it relates to how you communicate and what you're going to get out of that conversation. And today, we're digging even deeper by talking about how to have challenging conversations What are some of the toughest conversations that married couples have to face and how do we get through them? And not only how do we get through them, how do we build a kind of marriage where these conversations aren't as challenging? And so we're going to be looking into personality types today, and maybe you're going to find yourself right in the middle of this conversation and be able to say, yes, this is me and this is how I need to approach a conversation with my spouse. Hey, and if you're single, don't turn off this episode now. All of these episodes are giving you tools so that you can date well. And then when you do get married, you can have a really healthy, thriving relationship. But before we jump into this conversation, we want to make sure you know about all of the resources that we have for you. Where can they find those resources, Victoria? Yeah, you guys can go to moremostforever.com. And we would love for you guys to become a monthly partner or give a one-time donation. We are a nonprofit organization. So as we're creating this content, it would really help us out for you guys to partner with us. But we have, you know, things that you guys can take like e-courses. We have e-books. We have physical books. So a lot of resources that you guys can take a hold of and utilize in your marriage. And I'm sure you're going to be blessed by it. And hopefully we'll find a transformation. Yeah, there's a lot of free resources there, and those resources are made available through the generous donations of people just like you who have been blessed by what we're doing and want to give back, want to pay it forward so that another round of couples can also experience what we're doing every single week, which is counseling couples through virtual sessions or in-person sessions, through writing blogs. Today, we just released a new one. It's called the Marriage Digital Detox. And how many of you could use a digital detox when you're stuck to your phone? In fact, Victoria and I are right in the middle of a digital detox, which sort of inspired Mm -hmm. that blog. But you can go to moremostforever.com, read that, and get so many of our other resources. And guess what? We announced last week that we are in the middle of writing a brand new book. And guess what it's about? Communication. And it's going to be called, in honor of our podcast, Needed Conversations. So we want you to be on the lookout for that on our website as well, coming out very soon. This series is the tip of the iceberg as it relates to what's going to be in that book. But this is a part of that process of us writing and editing. You're joining us on that journey. So go to moremostforever.com. And subscribe so that you're first to find out when that book comes out so you can get it, both in ebook form and paperback. So let's dig into 
challenging conversations. Mm-hmm. We all know about tough conversations. Yeah. And in fact, a lot of times we will build these crutches to avoid those conversations because we know what it will cost in order to engage in these conversations. Mm -hmm. And I think even as it relates to marriage, as spouses, sometimes we're willing to overlook dysfunctional behavior, whether it comes from us or our spouse, for the sake of keeping the peace. But the problem with that is is that when you're not transparent and you're not having these difficult conversations, you are pushing it down for a later date to explode in your face, probably to a greater degree than it would have if you would have just had the tough conversation. Yeah, I would say that, you know, conversations can swing like both ways, like Ryan said, where you could have the extremes of being extremely vocal and feeling like you guys are communicating, but you guys are really shouting at each other. And then that's not working, so let's just both shut down because it's just easier for me to be quiet and not say anything and move on with my day. But the part that's bad is that it's going to bottle up inside of you, and at one of those points, it's going to explode, and you're going to be dealing with a lot of issues that are unresolved because of all these little tiny things that were not discussed. And Honestly, just you initiating small conversations and experiencing those awkward moments, it becomes part of your habit. Like you start learning the person and their habits and their traumas, maybe things that they're triggered by. So all this information that we're giving you guys today, I would encourage you not to be overwhelmed. We're not telling you to study like billions of people. We're telling you to study your spouse. And so take those nuggets away that we're telling you about your spouse or about yourself, you know, so that you can be prepared how to approach a conversation with your spouse, knowing who they are, and then also knowing who you are and what the limits are. And that way you can build upon that and start having those healthy conversations and eventually we'll start dreaming, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you want to get to the healthy part of these conversations, which as Victoria mentioned, is casting vision. Where are we going, right? And I believe that if you can deal with the challenging conversations now, you're going to be well-equipped to fight together whenever you are in the midst of fulfilling your dream and you're faced with insurmountable odds, so it seems, or you're faced with obstacles and challenges and naysayers. If you don't deal with these conflicts now, you could be in the middle of pursuing your dream, and when those conflicts come, you're going to turn against one another. But God wants to fortify you in this process of conflict resolution so that when you're in the middle of the fight for your dream, that you're fighting together against a common enemy. And so when it comes to these conversations, the Bible is filled with difficult topics, whether it be family drama, incest, rape, eating disorders, uh, you name it. Oppression. Uh, Oppression, uh, racism, classism. All of these conversations were very difficult to have. But guess what? Jesus was not afraid to have them. And in fact, it's kind of what he was known for, having these difficult conversations to reach across the aisle. And so if Jesus was bold in confronting these type of topics, so should we especially with the ones that we love the most. Jesus' tribe, his group of disciples, 
were filled with all different types of personalities. Those who were hard-headed, those who were arrogant, those who were passive, those who were passive-aggressive. And you can just analyze all of the different personality types in all of the disciples, and Jesus had to deal with them all. And so all we're asking you to do and all God is asking you to do is identify how your spouse processes information and study them to the degree that you can develop strategies to approach these conversations with wisdom, knowing what your spouse's pitfalls are and knowing what your own are as well. And if you can discover what your own challenges are based on your personality type, based on your upbringing, and you can explain that to your spouse effectively, you've won half of the battle already. You know, when we first started dating, we all start with curiosity and a mutual respect. And I think it starts with that. And you have to carry that through your marriage. I think we become very familiar with each other. And so now it becomes this independent side of you that comes out and says, well, I'm doing this. Well, what about you doing this for me? So I think before you can approach having these conversations or having the conflict resolution is to make sure that you approach every conversation with a sense of curiosity about that person and not from like sarcastic, like, you know, patronizing, I guess, Mm -hmm. and having mutual respect. And oftentimes, whenever you approach it that way, it's going to be reciprocated. And the same thing goes with if you are aggressive and if you are already defensive when you approach a conversation, expect that that's going to happen back to you. Like that person is going to be defensive with you as well. So... Yeah, so some of the most challenging conversations start with conflict resolution, plain and simple. So it really doesn't matter the topic. It could be finances. Maybe one or both of you is overspending. Maybe you don't have a sufficient budget. Maybe you don't have an investment strategy. Or maybe one of you runs the finances and the other one is completely in the dark. And you're just avoiding the conversation. Maybe it's about your household responsibilities that you keep avoiding, even though you're dissatisfied with how much you're putting in versus what your spouse is putting in. Or maybe you just don't want to approach the conversation at all because you know the last time you did, it blew up in your face. So that's the beginning. You know, that's the number one most challenging conversation is anything related to conflict. But number two The second most difficult conversation that we have is about intimacy and sex, right? Because those can be very sensitive topics, especially if you've experienced sexual abuse or trauma, and maybe that's never been expressed to your spouse, but certainly they're aware of it subconsciously because of the way you interact with one another in the bedroom. It could also be with just what you like and dislike. You just don't feel courageous enough to say, I don't like this specific thing when it comes to our sex life. And this is what I would prefer instead. You know, those things, we avoid them because we don't want to hurt each other's feelings or, you know, there's a plethora of reasons why. Yeah, I also think the reason people don't even talk about, you know, intimacy and sex is if they're thinking, if we can't even have a, a normal conversation about day-to-day things, how am I going to bring up a topic about 
being vulnerable and naked and unashamed. Like, how am I going to do that without offending that person and like digging my a a hole deeper to where I'm just going to be in the doghouse and this person is just not going to give me access at all uh, after that, you know? Yeah, and that's part of the reason why we wrote Spicy Sex, that our, our second book on marriage, is because people needed that icebreaker, that conversation starter. It's an excuse. It's like, yes. hey, listen, if you have a problem with that, pick up that book. It's an ebook. It's it's cheap. It's very cheap. It's ten dollars. Most men, I can guarantee you, will love it. It's only seven chapters. Very easy read. You can have it on your bedside table, and you guys can read chapter by chapter. But through that, you'll have really good. Uh, questions that you can ask each other and it'll be it won't be something that somebody you know that you brought up or your spouse brought up it's like hey this book brought this up what Mm -hmm. about this do you like this you know (laughs) yeah when it comes to sex that can be difficult for a lot of couples to approach that conversation if you first haven't learned from number one how to deal with conflict and how to resolve that conflict so like you said you're not even going to want to approach the conversations about sex because you can't even have a clear and concise conversation about money mm-hmm. or about parenting. So it's first learning how to deal with conflict resolution. And then second, it's like approaching those conversations about sex. The third most difficult conversation that couples have to face are boundary conversations, mm-hmm. especially as it relates to extended family You know, balancing relationships with extended family members like in-laws or cousins, brothers and sisters, it can be especially difficult because we have different opinions, different expectations. You know, the dysfunction you know is better than the dysfunction that you don't know. So it's like, it's the family you were raised in and you may have grown accustomed to the dysfunctional behavior of this group of people, but your spouse has not. Mm -hmm. And the same is with you looking at their family. And so you guys are building a different family unit, and you should be bringing the best of your family experiences together and honor the memories and honor the traditions of the past while creating something new together. And you've got to have boundaries to do that. You've got to be able to say no, even to the people who you love. And there's a way of doing that without disregarding people's feelings and and the fact that marriage is not really just about you two. It's about the blending of two families. Mm -hmm. And so you have to respect people in the process. We we deal with this first when it comes to weddings. That's sort of just a taste, an appetizer of what's to come. And some people keep it together until after the wedding and then it all explodes but mostly when we're at weddings we can tell what that in-law dynamic is going to be and so you've got to have these tough conversations and prioritize your spouse over your parents prioritize your spouse over your friends and cousins and people who you've grown so close to because you grew up with them You've got to prioritize your spouse because this is your future. You honor the past, but this is your future. And it's hard for a lot of family members to also disconnect from that. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe you are able to disconnect, but then you're feeling sorry because some other people are having a hard time to disconnect well, from you. Well, people definitely give you a guilt trip. Yeah, and it could be your mom. It could be your dad. It could be your brother. It could be a best friend. And they are grieving 
that friendship that you've had because they know it's going to be different and it has to look different. Now that you've made a decision to get together with your spouse, you now have to build a family of your own. And like Ryan said, respect what your parents have given you. It's not about bashing your, your parents or your upbringing, but it's about saying these were the good things that I remember. And these are the things that I want to pass down to my children because I see how effective they were in my life. Mm -hmm. And then certain things you're going to pave your own way. And you're going to say, no, we're going to do it completely different. We're not going to walk the way your parents did or my parents did because this is our family and this is a unique unit and we need to create a path for us and what's going to work for our family and our children. And so whenever you create that tight circle and you have that respect for your spouse and say, let me ask my spouse, you know what I'm saying? Your spouse is going to feel respected. The fact that you are honoring them before even some of their family members. I would say that would be the best way to start off if you just got married to create that boundary. If you're feeling uncomfortable telling people no and saying, you know, I need to talk to my spouse about it. And I know people use that as an excuse to get out of certain things. And then don't address it. But but truthfully, it's how you should approach. If your spouse isn't there, you know, you can't make commitments without first talking with your spouse You don't know what other plans that they had in mind. You don't know what that's going to take from them emotionally, especially if they're introverted or, you know, it takes a lot of energy for them to be around large groups of people. And now you've committed them to hosting 50 people at your house on Sunday. And here it is Saturday at 4 p.m. Right. So those kind of conversations, you have to have consideration. And for you, you may not have cared that all of those people came to your house and it looked horrible. And dirty, maybe when you were single. But now your spouse has preferences, and they don't want people coming over to their house with, you know, everything turned upside down. They want to be able to have time to prepare. These are the kind of things that you have to consider. And when you have in-laws or family members who are particularly invested in keeping their claws in the relationship, you have to ask yourself, what role was I playing in their life that maybe I shouldn't have? Mm. What what dysfunctional hole in their soul was I was I filling? Mm. You know, a lot of times when mothers, you know, don't want to let go of their sons or even fathers don't want to let go of their daughters, we've seen it the dynamic both ways. It's because their marriage isn't what it was supposed to be. And they use their children as a distraction from the things that they should have been confronting 20, 30 years ago. And so now that you are not only out of the nest, so to speak, but now you've got other priorities, they're they're having to face one another and Mm -hmm. deal with the conversations that they should have been having all along. And you can't stop them from having that experience that they need to grow as individuals as well. In addition to the fact you need to start growing with your spouse and, and when you recognize those patterns, then you have to make it a point that you're not also going to repeat those negative cycles mm-hmm. so that you don't just have children for the sake of making the marriage better, which is what so many people do. Having children is avoidance. We're avoiding what we don't want to talk about. We're, we're walking on eggshells. Let's have a kid because it's another distraction from the conversations that are difficult. So that's the third most challenging conversation. So you have dealing with any kind of conflict resolution, period. You have sex. Then you got boundaries with family. 
And then finally, life decisions is career changes, moving, making major financial decisions. All of these things can impact a marriage and discussing and making these decisions together can be difficult, especially if there are differing priorities, but they're important because what's going to happen is your priorities aren't going to change. You're just going to slowly subconsciously move in opposite directions based on those competing priorities. Mm -hmm. What you need to do is discuss timelines and negotiate the strategies of you go first, then I'll go second or vice versa. If you want to accomplish a lot in your career path, one of you is going to have to sacrifice at least for one or, or two seasons, whether that be pursue additional education, whether it be shouldering longer hours at work to be able to you know, compete for partner or to grow a business. Your spouse is going to have to hold down the fort in some capacity in order for you to do that. There has to be mutual agreement. And if it's not both of your dream to pursue that thing, you're going to have to balance, you know, what comes first, what comes second, and how can we both win? How can we merge our dreams into one cohesive dream so it's not me pursuing one thing and them pursuing another thing? So those major life decisions you're going to have to talk about and you're going to have to strategize through and create timelines that you can stick to. Because if you're not honoring those timelines, then you're breaking trust. Yes, it's not some big betrayal, but when you're someone who's put off their dreams and put them on the back burner for so long, and then you you haven't got the opportunity to, to pursue those, you can feel betrayal at a deep level mm-hmm. if your spouse has not lived up to their end of the agreement. Yeah, you know, a big part of communication is not only for you to learn how to express yourself proactively and in a positive manner and in a mature manner, but it's also being a good listener and not only listening, but listening to understand. Uh, we've talked a lot about this. Now you have to understand that you're not working as a as an independent person. Mm-hmm. You are guys are working as, as a partnership. So how can you guys wrestle with ideas and express yourself, but also hear your spouse out? And how can you guys come to an agreement of what's going to work for your family in that season? And that's a big, big part of what communication is. And the sooner you understand having those mature conversations day to day, those bigger things I feel like are not going to be as massive as people make it out to be because it's a natural. You know, if you approach your marriage as a friendship, you're talking to a friend. So it's not like you're coming to a business meeting, you know, I have to bring this proposal and this man better receive what I'm having to say. Otherwise, I'm going to be disappointed and feel like I'm fired. You know, it's a friendship. And we wrestle. And sometimes even when we express certain things, we may not even have the words to express it. But as we're communicating with our spouse, it's like we're getting clarity ourselves what it is that maybe God is calling us to do or fulfill in our in our assignment. We're not perfect. We don't know all the answers. Uh, your spouse doesn't know all the answers. But allowing each other to be vulnerable and express feelings and emotions and also allowing your spouse to be vulnerable and be able to express themselves as well even if they don't have the right words, you know, have the grace enough to say, I need to give them space in order to express what it is that they're trying to say so that maybe they can find out what it is that they're trying to get to. And 
these conversations aren't going to clear up in one sit down right. talk. You're going to have to have patience in the process. I mean, Victoria and I have, have been having the same conversation for better part of three weeks, and we're still having the same tough conversation about direction and life and ministry and calling and all of that. And uh, we're wrestling with it. And it's because we don't want to make a rash decision. We don't want to put our family through things unnecessarily because we made a quick decision. We want to be prayerful and mindful. That's why we've got to fast together and pray together and create a space, a safe space for you to have these critical conversations on an ongoing basis. That's why we recommended the table and establishing a a place that's undistracted for you to come together and have these difficult conversations, but also pray together. If you're not praying together, then how can you forge a way forward? Because God may be trying to use your spouse and their hesitancies or, you know, their perspectives and experience to do something inside of you to either prepare you for what you're dreaming about or to have you approach it in a different way because the Bible says two are better than one. Us having two perspectives and experiences means that we are able to prepare for the things that we may not be expecting and avoid the pitfalls in the process because she's been there or I've been there and we can walk through it together beforehand in our mind through the process of vision and strategy Instead of having to actually go through the hard times because we chose not to listen to what our spouse was saying. So some other strategies that you can use as a married couple to have these difficult conversations along with the table time, along with prayer, is using I statements. This is very important. Oftentimes when dealing with conflict, our first instinct is to grow defensive And so we point the finger and use a lot of you statements instead of I statements. When you say I, you firstly are taking personal responsibility, but also you are letting them know what your experience is and what your position is without demonizing them in the process. When you use I statements, instead of blaming and accusing, you're able to express your feelings and perspectives. For example, just this simple statement, I feel hurt when, Mm -hmm. instead of the phrase, you always hurt me, or you do this and that, and so you're pointing the finger at them instead of taking personal responsibility for your feelings. Nobody can make you feel anything. So always blaming our feelings and emotions on, on another person is defeating You're never going to grow resilient enough to be able to overcome toxic emotions because maybe your spouse wasn't the one who who forced you into that emotional state. Maybe it was the seed planted in you through bad childhood experiences and maybe something they did that was not purposeful triggered that emotion inside of you and yet you're blaming them Instead of taking personal responsibility, no, you can't help the things that happened to you when you were a child. No, you can't help situations that are imposed upon you, but you do have control over how you respond. And so making I statements instead of you statements 
are going to help you both take personal responsibility and be able to adequately channel those emotions in a more productive way. Yeah. Also, a big part of communicating is making sure that you learn how to express yourself. You know, taking personal responsibility means that whenever you do make those I statements, you think twice before like trying to say what this person has done to me, but like what truly is my feelings and me having to face myself. And oftentimes we're scared to look at ourselves and say, I'm feeling this way. It would just be rather, it would be easier just for me to point a finger and say, you did this, this, and this, this, it's all your fault. You got to fix this instead of saying, wow, I actually feel this. And this is the reason Mm -hmm. I, I do feel like you said, maybe it's not your spouse. Maybe it's a trigger word. Maybe it's a trauma from the past. And so when you make those I statements, I think that you will actually think in your mind, actually, what am I feeling? You know, what, what am I feeling and why do those words actually trigger me? And, and is it truly because my spouse actually hurt me or is it because I dealt with previous issues? And I think you bring up a good point in that what I was saying was sort of highlighting the people who are more emotional in how they converse with their spouse. But what about the people who aren't emotional at all, right? And maybe maybe they use you statements to avoid the feelings that are bubbling up on the inside of them. Just like the overly emotional person can be able to channel their emotions, maybe you need to feel some things. And by saying, I, I feel, or this is my experience – you're able to lean into those emotions in a healthy way, feel them so that you can ultimately deal with them in the conversation. Again, not in blaming your spouse, but in saying, this is actually how I feel. And maybe that'll help you pinpoint some of your past experiences that are unresolved, some bitter roots inside of your heart, some offense, some unforgiveness that you may be projecting on your spouse and growing cold in the process. We, we blame our spouse for things that other people have done to us. Past boyfriends or girlfriends, or if you've been married before, previous spouses. But you can't put the face of your offender on your spouse. It's not fair, number one. But it's not doing you any good either. Because now you're continuing to drink this poison over and over again. One other strategy is to make sure that you're practicing empathy and that you're understanding of what your spouse is going through. If your spouse is emotional or if your spouse is expressing to you some of these things that they have gone through, it's not your opportunity to say, aha, I was right. You know, I knew it was all your dad's fault or I knew it was that old boyfriend of yours. No, you're understanding that this is emotions that are real and painful and you love on your spouse, and and you try to understand their perspective. You validate their feelings. And when your spouse is making I statements, it may be important for you to practice that mirroring technique that we said before to say, let me understand this correctly. Are you saying that you feel X when I do this? And now you understand that it's because of this past experience. And when you repeat that back and they're able to say, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying, that mutual understanding will bring clarity so that you can create a strategy to move forward. I know that sounds all high and lofty, 
But these little bitty things that you can do, create a safe space like a table, use I statements, mirror your spouse's responses to them so that they understand that you understand what they're feeling and what they're trying to communicate. Also, take breaks if you need to. Having these tough conversations can be emotionally taxing, but also physically taxing. And you don't need to try to win everything in that one conversation. Take it in bite-sized pieces. As a mentor of mine says, take it in sips and not gulps. Because you can handle it in sips, but you're going to be overwhelmed. And it's going to take time. That requires patience. And finally, if the conversation becomes so overwhelming and you feel like it's continually unproductive, then you have to seek guidance from a trusted mentor or a counselor and not by yourself. If you're struggling to communicate, you might need a mediator, which is really why we love calling what we do mediation. We, we could call it coaching or counseling, a number of th- things. But really, we're not trying to impose a solution on whatever couple that we're dealing with, although we offer practical strategies. But what we're helping them to do is come to a solution themselves mm-hmm. and help mediate between misunderstandings and a, a lack of communication or interpret what is trying to be said, even though they're speaking the same language they're not speaking it from the same context. So that's why mediation is important. And that's a trusted mentor, qualified counselor who could provide valuable insights. It's not going to the barbershop or the beauty salon and trying to air out your grievances. Now, if there's trusted, you know, mentors that you stumble across in, in, in that regard, maybe never say never, but the most of the time, you know, these conversations are going to end up becoming gossip. And then you have to remember, as we've said before, you're causing your family members or your friends to have a negative connotation about your spouse when all they're hearing is negativity. They also don't see the good sides of the relationships as well. So anything you want to add, Victoria? Yeah, and I think often when we try to seek counsel from people that are probably not professional, you know, or are trusted, it's also almost like our scapegoat too, because we want to be validated in what we did. So a lot of times we'll tell people our story, our version versus this is something that's between you and spouse and it's sacred. And so if your spouse has shared that information with you, you need to be a, a trusted person and integrous person and keep those things safe. Yes. Within that circle. And that's also going to make sure that your spouse is able to trust you with the information that they're giving you. Because if you go out spewing to different people and other people talk behind their back and they get this information that you're over there talking behind their back, what kind of trust are you building? That's not what you're trying to do. You're trying to build trust in this relationship and it's a partnership. It's not you against me. or It's, it's you both against the world. And so... Keep that in mind. We have to take on those things with confidence so that our spouses don't feel betrayed. You know, there's some things that Victoria and I have gone through, and I'm more of an extroverted personality. And it would have been my instinct, maybe as a single person, to go around to people. And I'm really not one who spills the beans to every person that I meet. You know, not at all. But I certainly have people that I love and trust, like my parents, 
But Victoria didn't grow up feeling that comfortable about sharing every little detail of her life. So I had to make sure that I was careful about sharing, even to people I would normally share with and who are trusted confidants, but for the sake of her feelings to make her feel safe, you know, waiting a little bit longer before we revealed those things, such as when we had a miscarriage, and we've talked about that on this podcast, you know, it took a while for Victoria to open up about those things, especially because she was the one who who had to walk through it physically in her body. We both had to walk through it emotionally, but she physically carried and, and went through that experience. So I had to honor her by keeping that into myself instead of going and sharing it with my parents or some pastor friends or people who I know would be prayerful, but I had to make sure that I talked with her before going and sharing those secret things. And this is where the empathy part comes in. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we've got so much to share. I want to give you a little bit of a teaser so that it whets your appetite for the book when that comes out. Um, we're hoping to release that in a couple of months. Be in prayer for us as we continue to write. But we were researching today and came across all different kinds of personality types in conversations. You know, there's tons of personality assessments out there. You know, everybody has their favorites. We like actually a 16personalities.com. And I think it's a really comprehensive assessment that's free online that you can take. I recommend it for, you know, couples to take as well. There's some personality tests that get into spiritualism, horoscopes, that sort of thing. We don't recommend those. Uh, some of the others, like disc assessments, it's it's cool to take as well. But um, we're saying that because in the book, we're going to mention some of these personality types. Hopefully, that's where we're headed now. But you may be the assertive type. And if you're automatically assertive in your personality, you are going to have to come up with a strategy not to suppress your personality, but to channel your personality in a productive way when you're having these conversations so you don't come off as belittling your partner or that you don't care about your partner's perspectives. You also have the passive type, and you've got to learn, if you're passive, how to speak up for yourself. You have the avoiding type, the angry or aggressive type, and you've got to pinpoint the source of that anger. You've got the people pleasers You've got the analytical type, and I'm guilty of this myself. I can oftentimes be very analytical and overwhelm us with facts as it relates to a decision. And so Victoria is halfway falling asleep as I'm going through my 11th round of the pros and cons of something, you know. And uh, I've got to be more decisive in that regard to take the risks that are necessary. So in the book, you're going to be able to see some examples, and we're going to help you develop a strategy, depending on what kind of personality you are, to be able to approach difficult conversations with your spouse in a productive way. Because we all have to our personalities, but we all have got vices as well. And if we're not careful, we can lead with those instead of our strengths. So you're going to want to make sure to pick up this book when it comes out in a couple of months. It's called Needed Conversations, just like the title of this podcast and so, Victoria, I know we've talked a lot today. You want to wrap it up? How, how do you feel about this conversation? Anything you want to add? 
Yeah, and like I said at the beginning of the episode, it sounds overwhelming. But as you guys go through this together and take these little nuggets and apply it to your relationship, hopefully paving your own path and creating a unique marriage that you have is going to work that is going to work for you in a positive manner. Uh, you know, it, take it one step at a time. It doesn't happen overnight, just like building a habit. You start studying your spouse, you build upon that, you start understanding their body language and how they respond to certain things. And then you build upon that. So don't take all of this and say, this is overwhelming. This is just even too much to think about. I have to think about, you know, if this person is passive aggressive, if they're the avoider, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it's, it's not as complicated as it seems as long as your focus is on your spouse and you're going to keep that curiosity and that mutual respect towards one another and really genuinely want to learn your spouse and think about it as, you know, I want to have this friendship last and have this friendship at the forefront. And if you are a good friend, you're going to want to make sure that, you know, I care for my spouse, not only physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and all of that comes into play and creates this nice, healthy dynamic Do we always get it right? We don't, but we strive to do good and we try to do our best to communicate and keep each other accountable in that way. But thank you guys for joining us today for today's episode. I know it was lengthy and a lot of information, but continue to listen to our podcast. And if you know somebody that may need this, I think all of us need this, uh, go ahead and share this link. You can also give us a five-star rating if you would please and give us a review that really helps us to spread the word. Thanks for joining today. This has been a very needed conversation. Absolutely. And thank you for all those who have decided to become partners. All of your financial support is very important, especially as it relates to the vision that God has given given us, which is so big. So if you haven't already, please consider giving. Go to moremostforever.com. And until next time, this has been Needed Conversations.